Hi, and welcome to Stefan Levera podcast, a show about Bitcoin. So have you been wondering about state chains and what that would look like in practice? Well, today we've got Nicholas Gregory of Commerce Block, and they're the creators of Mercury Wallet, which is a recent uh, wallet actually implementing this idea of state chains and state coins. And so there's some interesting implications for Bitcoin scaling and potentially for privacy. And so we talk about some of that. Of course, this is all very early days, but it is potentially another tool for those users seeking privacy. So I thought it was worth an exploration there. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. With Swan Bitcoin, you can set up your Bitcoin savings plan and automatically purchase Bitcoin on a recurring basis, daily, weekly, monthly. You can set it and forget it. It makes it a lot simpler for you to accumulate your coins. And with Swan, there's a focus on education and content. There's articles, podcasts, books, all material being made available for Swan customers. And if you are a high net worth customer or you have an entity such as a business or a trust, you can set up with Swan Private. With Swan Private, you'll get a dedicated Bitcoin account expert who's available for one-on-one calls. I've been helping out with this team as well, taking some calls for customers who are interested to purchase and helping with that education and hand-holding and guidance process. So if you're interested to sign up, go to swanbitcoin.com slash levera and you'll get $10 of Bitcoin dropped in your account when you set up your stacking plan. Bitcoin DeFi is here with Lend at HodlHodl. This is a peer-to-peer Bitcoin-backed lending platform, so you can lend or borrow stablecoins globally and anonymously using Bitcoin as collateral. Now, one benefit here is there's not a KYC process. It's done in a little bit more of a peer-to-peer fashion. So you don't have to sell your Bitcoin. You can get some stablecoins by borrowing against your coins, and you will still hold one of three keys in that deal. On the other hand, if you have stablecoins, you can earn some interest. You can lend that out. You define the terms and the APR for your deals. So it's very interesting from that point of view. Now, HODL HODL has just completed a major security upgrade. You can go and find out more at lend.hodlhodl.com. Are you interested to get started with Bitcoin mining? CompassMining.io can help you in terms of purchasing your ASIC machine and helping you find a facility that you can have that machine shipped to and have it plugged in there. You will then select a mining pool to have your hash rate pointed to and of course you would pay the hosting fees but then from then on you're receiving bitcoin and so this is a great way to get started it doesn't require advanced technical knowledge so you can use the tips and tricks that they've got over at compassmining.io and if you're in the us you can actually have that asic machine shipped to your home and set up and do home mining and there's guides available all sorts of content available over at compass mining they've got an excellent newsletter that i recommend you check out also so if you're interested go to compassmining.io and get started with bitcoin mining today now onto the show nicholas welcome to the show hello thanks for having me so nicholas there's discussion in the community around scaling and how do things scale and also how do things become, how do we get more privacy in the Bitcoin mm-hmm. ecosystem? I think these are ideas that people are talking about. And I know you're working on some stuff that's obviously very relevant for that as well with state chains, Mercury Wallet and stuff like that. So do you want to maybe give us a bit of an overview how you got into Bitcoin and what your focus is? Yeah, so I'm a software engineer by trade, worked originally, I'm British, but I spent some time in the US, worked Silicon Valley, then moved back to the UK, 
ended up working for a few of the banks, Merrill Lynch and JP Morgan. Then I found Bitcoin. I, I'm not exactly sure when, but because, you know, it was posted a few times on Slashdot. I think around 2013, 14, I started to get into it seriously and kind of started looking at, I was working a bit in the OTC markets and then kind of around 2016 founded Commerce Block. And we, you know, originally we, we were building side chains. So we forked the Elements code base and built kind of our, our own version of Elements, which is what's used for Liquid to do like a more KYC uh, version and, you know, put in more requirements for, for what institutions we're looking for that didn't really take off as you know side chains doesn't really blossom the way some people thought and you know at the time we were always doing privacy stuff anyway and it just so happened at the time we were looking to pivot at the time we were looking at building maybe maybe a coin um, a coin join on a side chain but it just so happens the way the universe is is at the same time i think ruben samsung wrote his paper on on state chains although his paper we, we haven't followed his paper obviously because his uh, his writings required a lot on things like um, l2 which wasn't available but we've done some research internally to maybe do something without that. And we were also looking at doing a coin join implementation on a sidechain at the time. And it also just happens at that time, there'd been some talk about coin swaps. I think Chris Belcher discussed it on the Bitcoin uh, groups. And, you know, just merging those two together, we thought, well, you have this technology that lets you kind of like transfer private keys privately and off chain and coin swaps. And obviously, we didn't just want to build like a, a state chain implementation and have no use case. And clearly, privacy is being used a lot in Bitcoin. We thought if we merged the two together, that would give something unique and a different, you know, something very different to what's in the market at the moment. And yeah, that was about, again, these decisions were made in the bear market, maybe early 2000. It, it took a lot longer than expected to go live. We were thinking it was a six month project, probably took 18 months. But yeah, recently, we've gone live. I think we we're very much in beta. I think we officially said we were in beta about two weeks ago. But it, you know, it's, it's getting some usage. Uh, some guys, nothing to do with us, decided to do like a Mercury torch. And that's been interesting. They found a lot of bugs on the way and kind of, yeah, put us on the pressure. But it's, it's been fun. Okay, great. So let's talk a little bit of background then. So as you're saying, the sidechain idea, probably the most popular popularly known example is Blockstream's Liquid. Now that has its own trade-offs and its own set of things to wrestle with in terms of what tools we use when we're interacting with it. And so then this idea of state chains came along. And so just for listeners who are not familiar with the idea of state chains as, I guess, invented by Ruben Somson, and I guess you've, you've taken it in your own pathway, just given the current technology, could you just give us an overview? What is a state chain? At very high level, it takes a UTX, a, bit, a private key, which yeah. has essentially ownership of a UTXO, and it allows me to say, send that to you. Now, of course, the first thing you're going to say, great, send me your private key. Now, what about me? <laughs> what happens if I remember that key? I can steal your money. Well, I, I can't remember exactly the way Ruben described it, but I think he used something like adapter signatures uh, to basically make sure that the previous owner couldn't keep the key. We went in a different direction. A lot of that to do was a lot of Ruben's paper was designed around L2, where we basically used MPC, like multi-party computation, where we essentially have a key share. So when someone was to come to our wallet, the first thing they would do is create a, a, what we call a state coin, which is basically a state chain, uh, you know, uh, a coin that can be used in a state chain. And we, using two private keys, the, the clients and the servers, we generate a state coin address, and that's where the money will be deposited to. And then when the user wants to transfer the funds, they have to cooperate with the server to basically create a, you know, a transaction that would allow the coin at that point to be transferred to the new user. So that's, so that, and we as the server, you know, can, you know, we make a promise and I'll, I'll go into how we do that to delete the previous key share so that a previous owner could never cooperate. So in, in that, 
you know, we say we're non-custodial, but, you know, in a true sense, we're probably not, but we can explain how, how we describe it in, in more detail. But for us, it's non-custodial because um, there is a, a, a risk there where, you know, the state chain entity could work with a previous owner, but we've built kind of like an open source HSM, which proves that the, the previous key has been deleted. So in our sense, it's not. But. I see. Yeah. So maybe to put it simply, instead of me sending a Bitcoin transaction to you, and normally I yeah. sign the transaction with my private key, and really in the background what's going on is my Bitcoin software wallet is doing all this in the background and submitting that transaction onto the blockchain, and therefore all the nodes recognize that. In this case, mm -hmm. it's maybe another way. It's like we're blinding the private key and kind of sharing it in a loose sense. Is that thought yeah. of what's going on? So, but this is... And this is all happening off chain. So on the Bitcoin blockchain, you don't see any transfer. The, the key is being sent. Now, we are not censorship resistant. Clearly, if the server was to go down or if we didn't want to cooperate your blocks. But every time you do a transfer, you have a back out transaction. So you could basically receive your funds. You could say if, if the server is not cooperating or for whatever reason we're not available, you could just basically issue that backout transaction and your funds basically come back onto the Bitcoin blockchain. I see. Yeah. So maybe another model people might be used to thinking of is Lightning. So this idea of if we open yes. a channel, uh, I at all times have uh, what's called a force closed transaction or a commitment transaction, mm -hmm. a pre-signed one that we already agreed to in advance to close out that channel and get the funds back on chain. So I guess in the yes. same way with the state chain idea, let's say I'm opening uh, state coin with you if you're now not available later on, I can, I always have that kind of nuclear option of just, okay, I'm just mm -hmm. going to back out transaction or you like kind of like a force closed channel in lightning. Yes. And you know, one of, you know, we get compared a lot to lightning, but obviously lightning can do any amounts. We're fixed obviously because it's a UTXO and, you know, we allow anybody to create any size, but we basically try and force people to go to like a zero, zero point one. 0 0.1, 0 0.1, and then one Bitcoin. Yeah. Obviously, because that you can only swap fixed amounts. So, and yeah, we can't, there's no way to make our UTXOs divisible because, you know, of course, <laughs> they yeah. are what they are. Yeah. So. so I guess this is just a, this is just naturally part of the trade off of it. But at the same mm -hmm. time, you, it also reminds me as well of even with some of the privacy wallets, like say Samurai Wallet and their Whirlpool model, they've got the 100,000 SAT pool, 1 million, mm -hmm. 5 million SAT, and 50 million SAT pools. So in the same idea that you need mm -hmm. a liquidity pool of other users who are in that pool. And in that model, it's, you know, uh, re remixing. Um, but in this case, it's more just that you need enough of an anonymity set of other state coin users of that particular denomination, right? So that's in this example, yes. let's say you've got a 1 million SAT state coin. You need there to be enough mm -hmm. other users of 1 million SAT state coins to give you an mm -hmm. anonymity set. So, on chain, what does that, does it just look like you're just doing a single signature spend, like in terms of the Bitcoin blockchain? Or is it just never even yes. touching the block? It, like it never even touches the blockchain except for the backout transaction. Never touches the blockchain. So we do, um, we do a test to Bitcoin. So all our transactions, we use a protocol which we wrote a while ago called Mainstay, which is a bit like, um, Peter Todd's single seed set. So we do a test once a day of our work anyway. So, you know, just to prove what we've done. But in terms of the Bitcoin blockchain, you see, you see nothing. So, you know, we, uh, you know, if, if you open the wallet, you will see that these wallets, uh, these coins have a lifetime of three months. And that's because we use um, kind of a relative time lock. And, and this is one of the challenges we had with not having L2. You know, we, I talked a previous owner in theory could broadcast their transaction and take your funds. 
but they couldn't do that until this three months window is kind of done. So that's why a state chain, you know, and with L2 coming out, if that ever comes out, we don't know, that, that issue would go away. But at the moment, we're stuck with that. So that's why a state coin has a, a life cycle, which we've set to three months. So for example, if I was to give you a state coin, you know, in that three month period, I couldn't uh, broadcast a transaction to take your funds. But after that three months, I could. And again, if, if I did, we, you know, you still have the concept of like uh, lightning where your wallet could be watching and see me do that. But to be absolute safe, we say to people, don't get to that, don't get to that period. So you, yeah, so you need to, yeah, I was going to ask a little bit about that. So just for listeners who are unfamiliar, L2 is a proposed upgrade by uh, Christian Decker, Rusty and Roastbeef. And they did a paper on this and basically it is a, it's a, it's a, it's an upgrade to the lightning network that relies on what's called any prev out. So anyone interested, check out episode 200 of my show. Go, go back and see that one. Um, but, uh, back to the state coins idea and Mercury wallet. So I was, I installed it and was playing around, fiddling around with it. And I saw, and also in the, on the website, you had a section showing like, well, I forgot the exact terminology. Was it expiring or was it, uh, it's, it's this concept you were talking about that you would need to yeah. like rotate to a new, uh, I'm just trying to find the exact wording for it, but, but basically you would have to rotate. So could you tell us a little bit what happens with that? What is that? So basically after, so at the moment we've set this to three months. So, and that's using a check sequence to verify. So, and we do that based on block height. So in that period of three months, if, you know, a previous owner was to broadcast a transaction, um, but that wouldn't actually be, be, be accepted by the mempool till that three month period. Gotcha. So, but after that three month period, a previous owner could. So rather than kind of, you know, we, you've probably seen the I wallet, see. which we've tried to make the wallet as, you know, user friendly as possible. But rather than going into the details, we just say this is expiring, you know, rather than, you know, if people gotcha. want to go down into details, why that's the details. But after three months, really, there is a risk a previous owner could take it. So at that point, you can just peg it back to the Bitcoin network and that's where you pay your Bitcoin transaction fee. And that's where we take a fee as well. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So that also gets into the conversation of, how sure are we, the user, that you guys have deleted your side of the coin, and that's why you're yeah. con- you're continually rotating every three months to give the user a bit more of an assurance around that, yes. uh, rather than them being vulnerable to quote unquote the back out transaction on your side, where you might yeah. theoretically claim that coin. Well, that 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 well that you would only be able to. There's only a risk there if you basically transferred or done a swap which i presume we assume people would but and at that point so the way it works we do have an hsm on the back end which we built and yeah. it's, it's open source it's called lockbox and that essentially has a key which that key itself is not a risk but every time you create a stake coin it kind of generates a new key share so and what we've done with the hsm is that we we one of the hardest things in bit in computing itself is actually to prove you've deleted something yeah you know, i can go on my computer and delete something but we all know it still could be on a buffer or something so what we did is we used an hsm to do a provable deletion that we've deleted that key and um you know it's it runs on intel sgx you know we're licensed by intel uh, we don't have the remote attestations up yet but that's something we would do but what would happen if we did not delete a previous key in theory, a previous owner could cooperate with that key. And, you know, every key is created per transaction. So it would have to be that key. At that point, there is a risk. So, you know, but, you know, we've, you know, I think we're one of the first people to open source an, uh, an HSM. Um, we are using Intel. Now, I know there's kind of risks, you know, with Intel um, SGX, but it for us, it's a small risk. We could not use this. We could just say we're deleting trust us, but I think 
we painfully went through the steps of building an open source HSM, registering with Intel to prove we're deleting that key. I see. Yeah. Okay. So and it's not just a case. Yep. Go on. Yeah. Sorry. And it's not just a case where you know some law enforcement could say, "Open up your HSM." Well, at that point, if we did open up, we would have a key that generates other private keys. So until we could only, they could only t- steal the, you know, ask to request the funds if there were any transactions afterwards. It's not like we actually have full custody at any point anyway. I see. Yeah. So I guess just zooming out a little bit, just when people are getting a sense of like, why are we doing all this stuff? Right. So one, I, I presume it's the scalability aspect because you don't have to touch the chain unless you need to do the backout transaction. So generally speaking, people are in that, in the quote unquote happy pathway. You're just not touching the chain. And so you're able to transact with these state coins in fixed denominations, let's say 1 million sats, 5 million sats, etc. And you might get a privacy benefit out of this because, because of the anonymity set generated by having all these other state coin users out there or state chain users who have state coins and they're transferring them around in fixed denominations. So that's, I guess that's mostly the benefit side. And then the risk side is more like, I guess the availability, let's say, your server goes down, then they're going to have to do a backout transaction and then they can no longer do a state coin transaction. Um, yeah. and you know, if, if they're not worried, if they're not careful and theoretically, if the HSM, like, you know, that, I guess there's that risk as well that you put some money into this state chain and the three month expiry happens and you're malicious and you know, something happens there. That's, that's also a risk. I guess people have to think about as well, but generally speaking, the main benefits, as we're saying, is scalability and potentially some privacy aspects. Would you mm-hmm. agree or disagree or where would you? Yeah. Yeah, it starts to look like one of those kind of Chormain kind of banks, Chormain mint banks. So, you know, it's it's not censorship resistant, but, you know, unlike the Chormain banks where you were relying on a kind of like a multi-sig for, for custody, we, you know, you can take your funds out at any time. You do have control there. So, so you know, and I think, you know, there's been... Originally, when we were looking at this, we were looking at the Chormain banks, the Fedimint stuff, and you know, some of the writings of Hal Finney. And it did seem state chains with a combination of lightning could kind of fill a lot of that. And it's been interesting because um, recently, I think there's been more talk about Chormain banks. The Fedimint stuff got recently funded. So, and yeah, we're slightly different, but you know, we have the fixed denominations. Um, you know, there, there are differences, but there are similarities. And I think Bob McElrath wrote a really good tweet comparing the differences. So, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I see. And so then do you see the users having like their motivation? Would you see, would you see it as like a privacy motivation then? So is the idea that let's say they want to quote unquote, uh, get some more privacy on their coins and they would try to put coins kind of like running your coins through a coin join is, would it be sort of like that? Like they might run it through the state chain and then withdraw outwards and then treat it like that's the fee they're going to pay. Is that what you're thinking or what's the model there? I, I think, I think, I think the initial users would be to come in and do a you know, kind of quick privacy. Cause essentially we, you know, you can the, the swaps are free because we couldn't take a fee anyway, because these are fixed UTXOs and you can do as many swaps as you want. I mean, obviously you have this decrementing time lock, but I think, you know, someone could go in there do 20 swaps and you know pull out all in a space of you know a couple of hours which is you know a lot faster it's a different form of privacy than a coin join i mean obviously with a coin join you kind of take a coin you mix it with other coins and you're all kind of like grinded together we're essentially um swapping history so the good things there's you know there's positives and negatives about both approaches with a coin join you're kind of all tainted 
with a, a coin swap you're not, but someone may end up with the, the North Korea coins or something. But then we would, you know, because we prove with this attestation we do to Bitcoin, if someone was to end up with, say, the dirty coins, they could say, well, I participated in the coin swap, so I'm not dirty. But, you know, and we still don't know how, you know, the chain analytic companies will, will look at coin swaps. That's kind of like where it gets interesting, to be honest. Yeah, I see. I see. Um, and so I guess so the limitation around having set values, let's say one million sats, five million sats or so on. How do you see people sort of using that? Like, because I guess people wouldn't really use it for commerce, right? They wouldn't because they're not necessarily going to be selling something exactly for all, unless they happen to be selling something exactly for one million sats, right? It's not, I mean, look, so if you compare it to lightning, obviously lightning is good at what it does, micropayments, but it does need a lot of liquidity locked up in the network. We don't need any liquidity. We're essentially, you know, and I think that's where it complements Lightning very well. And yeah, look, we, we have done, you know, we have had conversations with Lightning devs whether state chain could be an implementation of a channel factory type thing. Although, you know, there's, you can imagine there's a lot of transactions there, a lot of challenges there. I mean, but in theory, it, it could take a lot of the, 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 the unnecessary volume off, off, off Lightning to do the kind of like the, the high transactions, the bulk based transactions. You know, like, you know, like in the gold world, how they trade large lots of gold as opposed to micro pieces. And yeah. There is, that's the way to think about it. I mean, that starts to become a side chain in its own right. Yeah. I see. Yeah. But for now, we see people using this as a, maybe an easier way of doing a coin join, maybe an easier way of doing privacy. And this was really just opening up the use, first use case for it. Cause again, just building a state chain, I think, you know, people would have said, that's cool, but what do I use it for? So at least here we can say, well, you can participate with coin swap. You can, you know, Get some privacy, delete, you know, swap your history, and, which is what we kind of want to see in Bitcoin anyway at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So I think it'll be interesting, interesting to see if people, if there's uptake on this idea for from a privacy point <laughs> of view. Um, I could understand maybe the concern might be, oh, I don't want to get the quote unquote North Korea coin or whatever in that example. Yeah. Um, so that might be what stops people from trying, but. Uh, it might be something that also just kind of grows over time and people have just as an alternative. Um, so with, I also wanted to come back to what you were saying around any prev out. So if we were to, let's say we did get any prev out and we did get L2, would that then change? Would you then look at changing this model or how would, how would things change? If at all, the only thing would change. So we have this decrementing time lock. So you can't do unlimited because every time, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but every time you do a swap, I think it goes down like by eight hours or something. Or, I, you know, we, we're still tweaking that at the moment to see. But with any prev out, that would be unlimited. You, know, you could swap you know, a million times a day; no one would care. The, the, the bottleneck would be the server. So that's where the big change would be. So, uh, and yeah, we would definitely implement any prev out. Yeah, that, I think that means it could be used more. I mean, look, we have a very, very casual conversations with like you know, kind of institutions that want to use this for like settlement. And I think any prev out would solve you know, some of their concerns because they could do unlimited transactions throughout the day, et cetera. Yeah. And also, I'm curious, I remember some of the discussions, it might have been Ruben chatting about this idea back when, uh, around the time he put that idea, idea out. He was saying there, there might potentially be this idea of opening lightning channels off of a state coin. What would, how would that work? Well, essentially, as we, you know, we're sending private keys around. So why can't those private keys be state chains, um, be lightning channels? Now, yeah, from a, doing this on a whiteboard, that's very logical. But then 
you can imagine most of our work has been dealing with the uh, the attack vectors of pre previous transactions, etc. Now you can imagine when you add uh, lightning previous transactions being broadcasted, that makes the problem exponentially. But we are planning to support lightning, you know, hopefully in the next three months, but not combining the two, but maybe paying for the stake coin with a lightning transaction. So at the moment we take a fee when people peg out. So from a privacy point of view, you could say, well, that coin was part of a, um, uh, that part, that coin as it's being pegged out, as you see the 0.5% fee, that's the 0.5% fee that's been part of a, that's been used in a stake coin. But if we took a lightning payment up front to essentially pay for the stake coin, then you would have no taint on chain at all. I see. And that's, I think that's kind of makes lightning quite, that, I think lightning there would be quite interesting. So you would come into the wallet, pay for a stake coin with a, a, a lightning transaction, and then you use it for the three months and then it's yours and there's no, there's no fee afterwards. And I think that, that kind of would give us, a, a, you know, an opportunity to play with lightning as well. <laughs> before trying to merge it in together. And I think that would make it even more private. So I think there's benefits there. And that's what that's where we're thinking. Back to the show in a moment. Have you thought about upgrading your Bitcoin security to multi-signature with Unchained Capital? You can do this easily. Now, remember, there's a focus on removing single points of failure because no matter how careful we are, sometimes things can go wrong. And when they do, you want to be confident that your savings don't just go to zero. And so if you're using an exchange or a custodian, definitely get them off there. Learn how to self-custody and with Unchained, you can do that with the concierge onboarding program where they can help you even if you've never held your private keys. So they will ship you two hardware wallets. They'll do a call with you and set you up and get you set up with that vault and deposit some Bitcoin in that vault to get you started. So if you're interested to do this, go to unchained.com, select the concierge package, use the code Levera to get a discount and you can get started with securing your coins in a superior way. Now, when we are securing our coins, one aspect to consider is what hardware device we're using. My favorite is the cold card. You can get it at coinkite.com. And so the cold card has all sorts of features that you can use to help you verify rather than trusting. And so you can, for example, use the address explorer to check that you truly do hold the keys for that given address. And so this will show you your receive addresses. So that's a really cool feature to use. You can use the cold card easily with wallets like Spectre, Sparrow, Electrum, Blue Wallet, uh, some examples. And so if you're interested, go to coinkite.com and you can get a 5% discount by using the code Levera to order your cold card. And finally, Brains.com. That's Brains with two eyes. Brains are a Bitcoin mining company known for several projects and products. They have Brains OS Plus, which is firmware for your ASICs. They have Slush Pool, which was the first Bitcoin mining pool. And they are the co-creators of Stratum V2 with Matt Corello, a next-generation pooled mining protocol. So with Brains OS, you can use this third-party custom firmware, which allows you to stack more sats. It's got auto-tuning and per-chip auto-tuning. So it optimizes your performance. You get more hash rate for your electricity bill. So they've got a range of supported models, and they have what's minor models coming next in the pipeline. The Brains and Slush Pool team are always working on improvements. Over on the mining pool side, they've got some upgrades recently, such as the ultra-flexible payouts. That can be the time-based or threshold-based. You have an updated UI with dark mode and mobile responsive design, and you can pay 0% pool fees if you run Brains OS Plus and point your hash rate to Slush Pool. So that website is Brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S. That's two eyes. And now back to the show with Nicholas. So it's almost like this idea of an out-of-band payment. And so... I think someone said it to me better than like maybe I describe it. It's like a virtual open dive. 
Right. Yeah, I see. I mean, that's the way to, and that's probably the best way to think of it. So you would come in with your Lightning wallet, buy the the virtual, the open dime USB stick, put your Bitcoin on it, and that's it. You swap it, give it to your friends, make it part of a coin swap, and then you know you snap it, and that's when the, you get the money. Then you break it and out. That's open. the way to think. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's the way to think well, of stake coins. And so this idea of having Lightning payments it just kind of helps take away any on-chain fingerprint of it. Uh, and yes. it kind of reminds me of even some of the mining pools offer like a, a transaction accelerator. So let's say you put it in at one sat and you, you're stuck. <laughs> you need to put it through. You can go and yeah. make a separate out of band lightning payment to them. So in the same way here, the user is just making an out of band payment to you to say, <laughs> Hey, state chain operator, please let me use the state chain, use the state coin. Yeah. Um, and the lightning payment is just how they are getting around. Any on-chain. So you can imagine then, if you if you get five people and they all buy a, an open dime, you put it in a jar, you shake it, you'll pull a different one out. That's essentially how we're doing a coin swap. Yeah. And uh, yeah, is it, is it a virtual open dime? Maybe it's a virtual caseous coin, but that's I think that helps you know, describes it a bit better. Yeah. So I guess that's that's what a state coin is when you're you're using yeah. it. And so then the difference is it's not really like a coin join round. It's more just like you're just joining the anonymity set of all the people who are using that mm-hmm. same denomination size of state coin. Um, and yeah. none of this is even touching on chain. So I guess that's the other no. uh, factor. So how does it work then if let's say, let's say I've got a bigger than 1 million sat UTXO, but I only want to do a 1 million sat state coin. How would that work? Like, let's say I come to you with a 10 million sat, you know, UTXO coin when I, is that just basically when I do the deposit to create? So in Mercury Wallet, as an example, I click deposit. I want to create a 1 million sat stake coin. It's just, I send 1 million sats to that address and then that's it, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you send the wrong amount, like, you know, we had one guy who, who thought he sent the right amount, but, you know, because the exchange took a bit of the transaction fee and he didn't click in, we then, you've still got a stake coin, but then we flag it and you, you can't really, well, you wouldn't be able to use it for a coin swap, but it's still a valid state coin. You just have like a your own denomination state coin. So. In a class of his own. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So yeah, I'm sort of, I'm starting to get an idea then of how that works. Um, and so in terms of running the infrastructure around this, so is it leveraging the Electrum server infrastructure as well and other, like what other pieces are involved? Like who... Like, as an example, when I spin up my Mercury wallet, who else am I calling out to? Yeah, so, um, I mean, one of the, you know, since we've gone to beta, we people have complained sometimes that the server's slow. We realized that the server wasn't slow because we're using Tor under the covers. So we're going to do a lot more to explicit what's, to be explicit about what's going on with Tor and provide better. But, yeah, so a lot of what we do is with Tor, we, you know, we ourselves are a Tor hidden service. So that's probably the, uh, the okay. main processes. You, you connect to an Electrum server, which you can then change into your own. So if you want to run your own node, you can, but we are using Electrum. You then connect to our server, which when you create your state coin, that goes from our server to our HSM, which basically essentially creates, I say the HSM has the virtual key of the, uh, of the, of the virtual state coin, but of the virtual, uh, open dime, which we call it. And then you have a separate server for our swaps, which is basically a blinded server, which works very much like a coin join where you, you register, you get like a token, you're blinded, and it orchestrates the swaps. At the moment, we do swaps every three minutes, but that's really because we're in beta. We probably, you know, we're not going to have a lot of liquidity in the early days, but we'll probably go for one hour slots, you know, so that people can 
congregate on the hour if they want to do do a spot. Yeah, be very similar to what people do with other services. Similar. Yeah, and um, would you be able to explain for us what the blinding is, like just for people who aren't familiar with that? Um, yeah. So when you when you're signing a transaction with the the, the swap server, uh, the swap server is blinded. So in that you you get this. T- it's multi step. And, you know, sometimes it can be unreliable because of Tor. And, you know, we're going to do more to, like, tune that and, and, and actually explain when Tor's, you know, under attack, etc. But essentially, you register, you get, like, a, a, a token. And then you when when the, the members of the, the, the swap have all registered, a swap is completed. So everyone signs it blindly. So the, the server itself uh, doesn't know who's who. And then you get back. And, and then you can check your coin to see if the, you know, the, the, the history has changed, etc. So it's it's very hard to know what a good anonymity set because ultimately you know having more is is better but it's not as kind of exponential as as logical as a coin join so you kind of just want to make sure your history is different etc it'll be interesting to see how people view coin joins how exchanges view coin joins they probably won't know much about it for the first few years we we hope yeah so yeah it'll be interesting to see if exchanges have any uh, well exchanges and the compliance departments and so on have any uh, my personal feeling dealing with them in the past is they won't know it for a while, but then there are people that may end up with this, you know, North Korea coin, but that's why we do these attestations. So you can say, well, I've used Mercury. It's provable on the blockchain. I'm not a North Korean, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Know, that's probably where they could voluntarily disclose the coin swap history out of their yes. wallet, let's say, as an example. Yeah, yeah that's uh, interesting stuff. So then, um, yeah, okay. So then, what kind of services, I guess it's, it's mainly just around the privacy aspect and people who just want to mm-hmm. maybe achieve a little bit more privacy. Oh, sorry, that's the other question I had. With, so there's the concept of state chains. There's, you know, Commerce Block's implementation of a state chain. And there's Mercury Wallet, which is one particular, you know, way to interact with that. Do you foresee this being something where other people might create a wallet or other people might create some other wallet and software that's compatible with, let's say, your implementation of the state chain? I mean, we wouldn't be opposed to it because that's true. everything we do is open source. I mean, we haven't specified a protocol because a lot of this was discovery research work. And, you know, it's going to be subject to change if, with changes to Bitcoin. But at the moment, you know, we could be a federation, for example. A lot of people ask me ask why we weren't a federation. Uh, we couldn't originally because of, of the MPC implementation. However, with Schnorr, we could basically aggregate servers on the back end. But at the moment, we're not really looking at that. But I think there's been demand by some people to basically have a spec with Lightning. But I think, yeah, that's, that, that is going to be a challenge. I think, you know, when you start to look at integrating Lightning, there are, there are a lot of attack vectors there. And I, I think we would, I think Lightning needs to be a bit more kind of stable. And so do we as well. In terms of like, you have to deal with like back out transactions and previous owners trying to steal funds. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept because the idea of having the, like this state coin where you could move from cold storage to, you know, some sort of sidechain meta layer to lightning seamlessly off chain is great. Cause I think you could see why a state coin, you wouldn't have to do the on chain transaction going. But then is that better than a, a submarine swap? I, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of research that needs to be done there, but it, it's great stuff. And I've, I've been invited to a few, um, Twitter spaces to discuss it with some of the lightning devs and, and Shinobi, um, you know, bright. He's been quite you know, looking into that stuff as well. So it's definitely interesting and I hope you know, it progresses. Yeah. Gotcha. I think this is one of the, 
one of the many, hopefully, you know, kind of public and open scaling solutions of Bitcoin, as opposed to it just being all in Coinbase or Revolut or something. Yeah, yeah I see. And so the idea then would be enough people get into the system of using state coins that they don't <laughs> have to uh, all touch the chain and then where the idea is less and less people are touching the chain, so to speak. Um, so in practice, do you think that would be like each individual user or is it more, you're thinking of it more like different communities? Like as an example, the El Zonte Bitcoin Beach wallet and each of like their on-chain usage is obviously reflecting for however many, 10,000, 15,000 users. Are you thinking of it kind of like that? Like Statecoin users might actually be in the, you know, actually representing many, many more users. Not at the moment, but we're open to it. Again, I think we um, we wanted to get it out there, and, and even the wallet. We, I mean, obviously, I know the wallet quite well, but people started using it in ways which I didn't think about, and obviously there were some bugs yeah. there. And you know, but it's it's opened up. A, you know, a lot of people now are thinking of different ways of using state chains that I didn't think of, and that, that's probably the good way because I guess because you know my team were quite involved in privacy. Fast coin swap was logical, but now people are saying, could you use this for I don't know, NFTs or stuff, or and, and the lightning stuff, we, we, you know, we don't have that much experience in lightning. And I think mo using it as a channel factory for lightning is certainly interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, and I, let's talk a little bit about the state coin torch. Or was that what it was that what it's called? Tell us a little bit about what happened there. Well, yeah, we, we kind of, we didn't really go live mainly because you know, you're kind of worried about, you know, I think you, you probably remember when lightning went live, the lightning devs spent all time saying, don't trust this thing. Don't put much money Reckless, in it. You never know. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that, and I think that was the right approach. So we didn't want to want to have a day where we go live and we suddenly have, you know, a few users putting serious money. So we literally just changed the website from, you know, test mode to beta. And then we, we, we released a video and I think a group in, um, in Samsung Mouse telegram uh, community basically came up with Mercury torch. And it's been fun. I mean, it has stopped a few times when we, uh, you know, people have, yeah, just, just UI issues. But, um, I think it's now it's moving again today. So essentially on Twitter, pe people are taking the coin, giving it. And I guess that three months is going to go down and it's probably, it's going down probably by eight hours every time there's a switch. So someone's going to be in a position where they will get 0 0.001 Bitcoin for free. So it's, it's, it's fun to watch. It's kind of built the community a bit, got people playing with the wallet and it's been great for us getting real live users as opposed to people who know us or people who use bitcoin the way we think we use it or, yeah and yeah everyone's got a different version of their ideal wallet you know, my team are electrum users which is maybe not the best uh user experience in the world but we're very used to that so. yeah yeah definitely electrum is a, an og wallet um <laughs> so with the privacy aspect of it people mm -hmm. are I, I i mean you mentioned earlier that Tor is built in, so is it automatically running yeah. over Tor, basically? So when you open the app image file or the um, Mercury wallet yeah, file, it's, it's already built in with yeah. Tor? Yeah. Gotcha. And we're a Tor hidden service as well, so we're not exposed to clear that. Gotcha. I see. So that's that's how you're handling the networking aspect of it. And so then it's just about seeing whether there's you know market demand and whether there's like an anonymity set that grows in use of this over time. Um, and so you're hoping that, yeah, I guess, what, what would you be hoping to see then over the next, I don't know, six to 12 months? Well, I would like this to be one of the privacy wallets of Bitcoin. I mean, there's obviously there's two. I think if 
you look at a lot of people still use centralized mixers, which are clearly a challenge. They're custodial, they're a huge risk. I think we probably fit in somewhere there. We're, we're not, tr- you know, I think we're non-custodial, but we could get onto an, onto, uh, you could get into quite a, a long debate of whether we are or not, but I think we're more non-custodial than say a federation, you know, of some of these layer twos. So I think we, we fit a niche there. I think the user experience is quite, is quite easy. Once you, um, you know, it's, it's very simple. You deposit a coin, you could swap a few times, you pull out. So we would like to see some growth. And I, I think use cases will come up now that we're live that we haven't thought about. I mean, obviously, we are, a lot of debate has come up about merging Lightning on, on state chains. There's been a lot of Twitter threads on that. So maybe with a live implementation of state chains, maybe other people can look at that as opposed to us, people who yeah. you know Lightning better. Because I think, yeah, Lightning does have a lot of attack vectors and so does state chains. And, you know, I think merging the two would be quite a challenge right now. But I think now with both of them being live, it's probably worth looking at again. Yeah, I see. Uh, and so currently, as I see the state coin uh, possible values right now, it ranges from 100,000 sats to looks like one Bitcoin is the highest in terms of the current, or at least the defaults, right? But yeah. I guess theoretically, people can set their own size it's just that you wanted to you would want there to be an actual anonymity set around that or liquidity yeah. around that yeah i mean look, if, if for whatever reason there was a we felt there was a demand we could easily uh, increase the size and that would map out to what swap sizes we'd have gotcha. that's, yeah that's just that's yeah. just suggestions that we thought would work yeah now. so if there's all these whales for example who want to mix you know a, a hundred coins or a thousand coins amongst each other then that could be a thing as well but it, it just matters on yeah. How, what's their demand for privacy? And maybe uh, for some of them, they're happy to just keep sitting on their stack and waiting until maybe in the future when they want to actually spend some of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Okay, cool. Uh, so we spoke about the fees as well. So you said it was zero point five percent. Is that mm-hmm. is that the only fee involved, or are there other fees? Or that's that's the main one. That's the only fee we can take because yeah. it's a UTXO. It's very would be impossible. So we potentially would look at that when we go to Lightning and change that, and maybe. I mean, with Lightning, there would be there'd be things we could do. We could say buy one for X, buy ten for for, for X divided by two. I mean, that that would give us more creative options. And and we have to see how people are using this. I mean, arguably, people may just come in, swap, 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 pull out. We we, we don't know if they're going to stay long on the state coin, the state chain itself. So we have to kind of see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are collecting metrics. We we do have look. So we are going to have a, an explorer soon, which all the data we publish, we collect is is published. We have databases. We'll publish that, and that'll be viewable for explorer. So that will give us an idea of how people are using this as well yeah i see so it's sort of exploratory but the hope is that people might be interested in the privacy element of it and Mm -hmm. as you were saying the idea of it is in the general or the happy path you're not touching the chain and so it's not necessarily a bad Mm -hmm. thing if people come in swap 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 and then well i guess they would have to pull at that point they're going on chain when they're pulling out when they're backing out yeah but but they can yeah they they can come out whenever they want i mean yeah there's a key there. They can leave it for two months. So depending on how they want to play with it, there's lots of options. I see. Yeah, yeah. And so then that could give them the ability to, let's say, get around a timing analysis. Because if mm-hmm. normally in the privacy world, timing analysis is one way where people mm-hmm. can get doxxed or can be fingerprinted. Let's say if I'm doing it every Sunday at 10 a.m. or yeah. whatever, um, yeah. the, if I do my state coin operation at that time, um, maybe that's a, a way that someone could try to fingerprint me or whoever. And so this would be, you could come in, swap around as many times as you can. And then ideally before the three months expiry, you would back it out then, or you would then have to yeah. make sure you do a rollover or to have it to go to a new, um, CSV, right? Yeah. So 
yeah, the three months is our number. We could change that. We, I guess at the time we thought, well, if we made it six months and we were to be taken out, you know, asking people to wait six months for their Bitcoin is quite a long time. Yeah. So we thought, but you know, we, again, we don't know how many people are going to use this. Are they just going to come out, swap, swap, swap? Then three months is fine. If they stick around longer, they start using state coins in other ways, which we hadn't thought maybe we would extend that to six months. But I'm hoping that would be logical when you see the behavior patterns of how it's being used, which would be on, available on the Explorer. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, uh, so. Just to go a little bit further into the lightning stuff, what would it actually look like if we were to go further? Like, if that were to be a thing, then would it be like you have to then, because like trying to do a channel off of that, like, I'm just trying to think through how that would work. Like, do you know, have you, like, what's, what's been the result of your research into that? Do you mean like taking a lightning payment or integrating the both? Yeah, as in integrating the both. I mean, we have had some chats. I mean, we, we have talked to Ruben about it. I mean, we've spoken to him a few times, obviously. And uh, it would be essentially you could come in uh, on your state coin, but the state the state chain server would not know if that UTXO is a is a Bitcoin or a Lightning channel. Yeah. So the idea would be to make that as far as the state chain server is, it's just a UTXO. It does not care if it's a Lightning channel or a Bitcoin yeah. channel. And in theory, they could be swapped. Now you can start imagine, like you know, you've got one Bitcoin, I've got like a one Bitcoin Lightning channel. I can swap it, and I think architecturally that sounds pretty cool. But then you think, well, if I've got a Lightning channel, I send it to you, and then I broadcast a previous transaction, and then there's a a previous yeah. state chain transaction. You can see you're getting into a real getting mess. really complex and but, messy. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think eventually that would be possible. But I think you know, I think there's growth in both ecosystems, and I think that is going to be solvable. Just not really now. I mean, yeah. As I, I, I spoke, as I said, I spoke casually to some of the Lightning developers on a on a Twitter Spaces once, and you know, they were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> we were both like, oh, "There's a lot of attack." The, the more you go down, the, the, the more you think about it logically, you think this is great. You can do insane stuff because you can essentially move from your cold storage to sidechains type storage to Lightning seamlessly, all off chain. But then when you think of all the ways that you could be attacked, you go, oh, "I don't want to touch this." <laughs> yeah, and, gotcha. Uh, yeah. So okay. And so then going back to just the malicious aspect of like, how would you deal with it if the state coin, state chain operator was malicious? That's, that, that's coming back to that angle of you still have the backup transaction. And yeah. is there any sense in which you need to like watch the chain for anything or how would that work? Well, the wallet does act like a watchtower. So if a previous owner was to broadcast, it would. But so long as you're in that three month period, you have no fear, no problems. Now, there is an issue in if the server was to be dishonest and switch off the HSMs. But even if a previous owner was to behave with the server like that, you would know about it because you have a current backup transaction which is valid, and that's your proof that you know someone the you know, Mercury server has been malicious. And you know we're not anonymous; we're, we're a team. The company knows who we are, so you people know who we are, so they would know that we've behaved in a dishonest way. But you know, again, someone would have to um, break. Our remote attestations, which is you know broadcast to IBM and or no, sorry Intel. So there's a lot of things that would have to go wrong. And you know people seem to trust a lot of closed source HSMs. Our HSM is public. You know it's called Lockbox. You know something that we thought would take a couple of months to build ended up taking nine months. You know building a building in the SGX environment was a lot more complicated than we thought. But we think it's worth it because we could obviously operate without without. Uh, an, uh, kind of like an open source HSM and you'd have to trust us and you'd have to say, look, we're nice guys, trust us. Now we don't have to say that. We say, well, no, we, we've got a you know, complex piece of software which is public, open source, anyone could use it. And that proves that we've deleted all these key shares. And, you know, 
the proof goes to, to Intel. And yeah, we didn't even seek a, a license with Intel. They came to us. So I guess they've got, being a big company, they've probably got guys, you know, scanning, scanning GitHub repos. And they saw we were building an open source, uh, SGX kind of like HSM implementation, which, um, was interesting because a lot of people said that you couldn't build MPC in an HSM because of the complexity. So it was, that was actually, but yeah, again, something that should have taken a few weeks was probably nine months of engineering, but. And yeah, maybe that alone will become a project by itself. Yeah, I, I do think there's a space for more kind of research in HSMs, et cetera, so that people feel more secure with the way servers are behaving, et cetera. Cool. Okay, great. Um, I think those are probably the main questions I had in, in terms of uh, how it works and things. So I guess for people out there who want to play around with it, do you have any tips for them or anything to keep in mind when they are using it? Yeah, just go to mercurywallet.com, you know, it's a very, obviously, you're an all-time Bitcoiner. People always say, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Yeah, we're now saying, you know, not your keys, still your Bitcoin. So, yeah, the UI is, I, you know, I think the UI is, is designed for normies, but it is a different concept of using. So, but, you know, we, you know, I'd say download the wallet, you know, find the light, the, the, the Mercury torch on Twitter, get it yourself a free coin and, and have a play. It's a different way of thinking. But I think that hopefully this will open up some creativity around what you can do. Bitcoin layer twos. I mean, it's outside of side chains, you've got lightning and you've got stage joins. So there's not much options you have outside of the kind of centralized services. So I'm hoping this will, you know, make people think a bit differently. Gotcha. Yeah. Have fun with it. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, let's leave that there. And, uh, where can listeners find you online as well if they want to keep up with you? Yeah. I'm on tw- Twitter, Gregory Nico, um, or Mercury Wallet. We're, you know, we're slowly growing a presence there. We, you know, we're doing, We've been doing uh, daily releases. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining me, Nicholas. And now, as I record this, I'm in Chicago. I'll be in Miami soon for a few days. And then I'll be in El Salvador for Adopting Bitcoin and Love Bitcoin. So I'm excited for that. Looking forward to seeing you there. Get the show notes for this show at stefanlevera.com slash 320, where there will be the show notes and the transcript. Thanks for listening, and I will see you in the Citadels.